1: You're listening to Sports Better's Paradise on the Bet Rivers Network.
2: All right, our NFL previews continue with the AFC East with uh, Jonathan Von Tobel of Veasan and also Veasan's uh, Mitch Moss. So it's a Veasan sandwich over here today for the AFC East. JVT, how you doing, buddy? I'm good.
0: You know, I'm getting ready. Football season's here. It's week zero, so it's going to be a lot of fun. And you know me, you know, I got to do the NBA stuff. I've already started working on that, and so it's pretty <laughs> much basketball season as well, man. Nothing. You never rest. You never rest.
2: There you go. All right, uh, let's get right to it, uh, Mitch. We'll start off with you. The Buffalo Bills, favorite to win the Super Bowl, almost half of the money, the entire money on the field, as far as the Super Bowl futures are concerned, at Bet Rivers have been on the Buffalo Bills. Thirteen seconds away from hosting the AFC Championship, where they would have been heavily favored against the uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. Josh Allen, the seven to one favorite to win MVP. They're six to one to win the Super Bowl, plus three twenty five to win the AFC. Got a lay minus two thirty to win the division. Getting a little bit of that championship uh, flavor. Bringing in Von Miller, Cole Beasley, and Sanders are out. Jamison Crowder and uh, tight end, former Bama tight end OJ Howard is in so running game uh, needs a little bit more from the running backs uh, and maybe a little less from my franchise quarterback on those design uh, sweeps sort of those single wing sweeps uh, that they like to use Josh Allen to try and cover up their deficiencies in a running game but the Buffalo Bills just so close last year Mitch
1: all very true um, I'm actually okay with the running backs because I'm a big fan of Devin Singletary I think he's underrated they addressed it in the draft And for what it's worth, those two touchdowns from Zach Moss last week will probably result in nothing in the regular season. But it shows you that maybe they're going to be willing to give him some of those goal line carries this year instead of uh, pounding Josh Allen like they have in years past. I would say this: I can't. I would never advocate betting a division, uh, a team to win a division at their odds and where they're at minus two thirty to begin a season. I wouldn't do that. But what you could do, uh, if you really want to bet them to win win the division. I would say you wait until they hit their bye week in Week 7 because the first six games of their schedule it's pretty difficult, obviously, against the Champs to open up the season on the road. Titans at home, then at Miami, at yep, Baltimore. Steelers at home, and then at Kansas City. There are certainly some losable games to begin the season before they get Green Bay after their bye week. And if they're 4-2, and two, potentially 3-3, three and three, uh, which might not happen... But if it is, you can probably get a better price if the Dolphins happen to beat them or the Patriots get off to a hot start to win the division. Or you just punt on the bet if they're 5-1 and one at that point anyway, you don't make the bet. So right now I would not force it at all. But what I like is just because there is, I mean, they're power-rated number one by, I think, everybody in the AFC and pretty much in the NFL. Like you said, what's the narrative on this team if they don't lose and blow that game to KC on the road last Last year, and they have they had other blown losses too, like the game at Tennessee. To me, they blew that game. Um, the inexplicable loss to Jacksonville, Jacksonville, just bizarre, came out of apps. There were that point favorites in that game. If they played that game 10 times, that's probably the one loss they're going to have. Um, so, what I would look at doing right now, uh, because the Jets to me are still going to be bad again this year. If you wanted to bet, make both of these bets at Bet Rivers. You could go Bills to finish first. Dolphins to finish second. That's plus two dollars, and then back it up by going Bills first, Patriots second at plus two thirty-five. If you made both those bets and they're both available right now at uh, higher than two dollars, I'm pretty certain the Jets are not going to finish in second place. So I would uh, make both of those, and then if you win one of those, obviously you're going to clear some money.
2: Our producer Max uh, sending names to me, and uh, it's uh, a Bills, Miami. Uh, straight exact is plus 200 at Bent Rivers. Bills, New England, straight exact, or finish in the division is plus 235. This is what I did with the uh, when we were corroborating with the NFL draft. I knew the Saints were going to take, um, oh gosh, a, a, a left tackle and a wide receiver. So I bet on both. You know, who the Saints would take first, both were over 200 in it, the exact same philosophy. And I also like... These exactor or quinellas that you're putting together, Mitch, because there's a clear gap between Buffalo and the rest of the division, and then there's a clear gap between Miami slash New England and the Jets. JVT, the win total for the Buffalo Bills 11 and a half, juice to the over, also at minus 143. So, for the NFL guide, and I wrote the AFC
0: East, I went under 11 and a half for Buffalo, and for me, it's just kind of playing against you know, everything that you're kind of rattling off here, right? They are like the the most likely team by almost every single measure to to win the Super Bowl, the the division, all these things. But I also think that we're kind of forgetting some of the flaws and some of the issues that could come up for this Bills team. For example, Brian Dable's gone. Brian Dable was the play caller for Josh Allen since he's been there, and Josh Allen still has these games. You guys mentioned the Jags game. Part of the reason why they lost that game is Josh Allen was kind of Josh Allen in that game, right? Turnover-worthy plays, allowing the Jaguars to stay in that game, and the other Josh Allen for the Jags uh, really had a field day in that contest. I think as well, when you look at the wide receiver depth, you kind of alluded to it, there's some really good depth pieces that are gone, and there's some unproven depth there at wide receiver as well. And you look at them defensively, last year they were incredible. We're talking about led the league in defensive EPA per play, yards per drive allowed, and points per drive allowed. But that came against one of the easiest schedules. Twelve of their opponents ranked 20th or worst in offensive DVOA. Their schedule's pretty easy again this year, and I agree with the thought that the division is not that great either. So I still think they're going to win this division. This is by no means they're going to miss the playoffs or anything like that. I just don't know if they should be power-rated as high as they are, given everything we kind of know about this team. And the other thing that I think is going to be sneaky to watch here is Last year, if you, had, if you had to say they had a weakness, it was their rush defense. Specifically, you can look at a lot of things, but like, for example, power situations, third or fourth down, or goal-to-go situations, two yards or fewer. They allowed opponents to convert on over 74% of those situations. Little things like that are a little bit, like I think, tricky. And when you look at the schedule and you talk about road games, Los Angeles Rams, Baltimore Ravens, Kansas City Chiefs, home games that I think are going to be challenging against Green Bay, Minnesota, and Cleveland... I still think this is a really good team. I still think this is probably a 10-11 win team. But I think we also tend to forget they were 7-6 and six last year at one point before rattling off a bunch of wins to make it to the point where they were. So for me, it's just kind of playing against the perceptions and the probabilities. I think the probabilities are a little too high there for Buffalo. So I went under 11 and a half. Perceptions
2: Perceptions uh, create the lines. Uh, there's yep. no doubt about that. And that's some, uh, some pretty favorable. And we've already seen even with these uh, soft numbers, um, they are – <laughs> they're getting all the action I mean all uh, of the yep. action you know it's funny Mitch uh, I, I committed the cardinal sin of, of survivor and I picked the road team that deep and they were clearly going to be a much bigger favorite than any home team I had left remaining on my survivor I watched that entire game that wasn't a fluke that they lost to Jacksonville that's the one Mitch I'm trying to get out of my head that, that, Jacksonville I mean, Buffalo had struggled to get the few yards and points that they did in that game
1: Oh, trust me, I had that. I bet that game last August or early September before the season started, I had 6.5 on a game of the year bet, and it closed 16.5. And, a half. and, I, lo- and I, I never came back to hedge. I probably should have. That was a mistake that I made looking back at it, but 10, 10 points of closing line value went up in smoke. I mean, they got beat outright, which is just... So to your points there, both of you, I will say that I think a lot of people have conveniently uh, forgotten about that game and I said if they played 10 times, they probably that's the one loser, which I think is probably true, but they were, they were not good in that game. And people cannot forget what happened in Kansas City. And I think everybody that has, by default, Buffalo power rated to the moon like this, I think maybe to JVT's point, it's because they still have that, that fourth quarter in their minds of what happened at Kansas City. And who's to say they're going to play like that for an entire season?
2: JVT, we move on, and there's no closer um, pairing. As far as the odds are concerned for wind totals at bet Rivers, the Miami and New England. Miami is 8.5, juice to the over, minus 134. New England is 8.5, juice to the over, minus 125. A lot of storylines here. I mean, first of all, here we go, Tua. We're providing you with all the uh, the the supporting cast that you need. Uh, gave up a ton for Tyreek Hill, uh, Taron Terran Armstead. Now, the one thing about Terran Armstead, the last five years, he has averaged missing seven games a year. So keep that in mind. Uh, they they've they've given him all the all that he needs, and he's having an improved camp and a quality backup as well in Teddy Bridgewater. And on New England. Uh, as far as they are concerned, Mac Jones year two should be okay. But who's the offensive coordinator? Josh McDaniels is gone. Who's calling the plays? The process with uh, with Belichick and those uh, sound bites or lack thereof are pretty comical. How do you separate uh, JVT, Miami, and New England?
0: So for me, I think because I agree with everything, right? Like it's razor thin between these two. But if you're grading just by overall rosters, I don't think there's really any question that Miami has the better roster at this point right now. So I think you give the edge to Miami. We obviously know about Tyree Hill. Uh, we know about Jalen Waddell and the skill position talent that they have across the board, the upgrade along the offensive line there for Teron Armstead. I also think, too, if you evaluate them defensively, because we tend to forget that when we evaluate these teams, right, there's a lot of really interesting pieces for Miami to work with, both up front. We're talking about Zach Seiler, Emmanuel Ogba, Andrew Van Kinkle. Uh, you look at their secondary as well when we're talking about Javen Holland and Zavian Howard, Eric Rowe. like These are all guys who potentially grayed out as really top-end players. So I think when you look at it as a whole, the roster is better for Miami. So I would give them the edge. However, uh, I don't think there's really an argument, just given what we know at this point right now. Mac Jones is the better quarterback. It's just whether or not Tua Tungavailoa is going to start to kind of emerge here in Mike McDaniel's offense of what this offense looks like. Because the problem with Tua, as we all know, and I think there's this weird misconception – It's not that Tua can't throw the deep ball, it's that he doesn't, right? That's the thing. He actually has a pretty accurate deep ball. He graded out very well by PFF standards on throws 20 or more yards downfield. The problem was, I think he ranked 25th among qualified quarterbacks in yards per attempt and 36th in average depth of target, and like that's the thing. He just does not willingly push the ball downfield. Does that change with Mike McDaniel here? And that's the big question because I think we have a growing sample size now of what Tua really is. It's get the ball out quickly. It's don't really challenge the ball downfield. And that becomes easy to defend for opposing offenses. So for me, if we're just talking about how you evaluate both of these teams and which one is better, I would give the edge to Miami because I think overall from top to bottom, their roster is better. But that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to have the better season because the most important position is the biggest question.
2: You know, uh, Mitch, so many times, and and a lot of Alabama haters are envy uh, in the SEC. Whenever I throwing these seven-yard slants and they're running seventy yards, I mean, and you know, over and, and that juices up your numbers uh, considerably. Um, but Tua also had the luxury of, of following up Jalen Hurts as a passer. Jalen Hurts is a running quarterback and still working, and has a ceiling as his player development. But still, I mean, it's funny, Hurts and Tua. Both similar situations. They are giving them all that they need to where no excuses if you can't take that next step. Um, I, I agree, JVT, and I'll, you know, the last year or two, especially at Flores, I mean, I thought Miami was a real value team a lot of times, especially with their defense. And, you know, they, they were a covering machine the last couple of years, but... Uh, that is gone now as well in all of that culture. I mean, we're tanking and competing at the same time. I mean that's pretty damn good before he's over uh over you know uh overcompensating for the ownership's uh you know willingness uh, to uh to tank. But the Miami Dolphins, where are you with them at eight and a half? Uh Mitch.
1: I think it's a totally uh it's a fair number. I don't have an opinion on it one way or the other. Um same thing with the Patriots. And, uh, like JBT was saying, I mean, the roster, I think on the Dolphins is better. I mean, if you flip quarterbacks here, what would the narrative be going into the season of the Dolphins and uh, what would it be on the Patriots? Right. I mean, if Matt Jones was a starting quarterback for Miami, I think a lot of people would be saying, oh, this team can be really damn good this year. The, the thing that I have in my head about how this is going to work in Miami is, you know, JBT rattled rattled off all the numbers there about how it's going to have to be all short yardage stuff. Um, well, they did, again, equip equip uh, Tua with a ton of weapons. And what is what team is similar to that? I would say Mike McDaniel's former team, the one in which he was at last year, the 49ers, right? And Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo was was a good quarterback. I mean, he wasn't great, but he wasn't awful. And I think we're going to see similar things this year with Trey Lance with question marks there. But it's going to be, look, you had Debo Samuel, George Kittle, and uh, Brandon Ayuk. Get the ball out of your hands, uh, and get it into the hands of your playmakers and let him go with the yak. And that's what's going to happen to me. And it's going to be all underneath stuff and crossing stuff with Tua and Waddle and get it out of your hands, Tua, get it into the hands of Tyreek Hill, let him put on the afterburners and the same thing with Waddle. So I think that's the way it's going to probably work. Um, yeah. When he was at Alabama, let's be honest here. It was, he'll drop back to pass and he had the best receivers in the world and they're open by five yards and, doesn't matter where he puts it, they're going to go up and get it. So it made it made it pretty easy for him to look good. Um, so I think it can be effective, and I think you know McDaniel's in his first year, but as an offensive mind, I think uh, you really had to like what you saw with some of the innovation in San Francisco and uh, the way that he would talk to the media about it, which made a lot of sense and the stuff that we'd never seen before, like the quick flips to the, the, the tailbacks and stuff like that. Um, so I think they can make it work offensively as long as two is not going to be holding the ball for too long and you have to rely on the deep ball. But it's not enough for me to run out there and say, hey, they're going to win their division, bet on them them to make the playoffs or to go over eight and a half wins.
2: I mean, a 17-game schedule, eight and a half. I mean, that is, I mean, just average teams. I I got the feeling that Miami might be a little bit better. I know they probably weren't as good as their record indicated last year. I thought they were fortunate. Heck, I mean, just the, the Saints roster that they had put to, put out, that was a JV team uh, because of, uh, you know, the COVID and, and the injuries. So that was a gimme. But JVT, you guys are in uh, Las Vegas. And the Josh McDaniels, i tell you what, for preseason sake, that's a pretty clean-looking team uh, right now uh, through the Hall of Fame game and a couple of preseason games. Is Matt Jones going to miss him at all? And why the indecisiveness? Is that a concern at all? And looking at this New England team, and look at this roster, this depth chart. I know Belichick and the Patriots don't like to hold on to stars, but my goodness, this is the most obscure roster in all the NFL.
0: Yeah, I agree, and and that's my worry with New England. I have have two concerns with New England, and one for each side of the ball. For offense, that's it. I mean, Mac Jones showed really good potential. He finished as the 11th best passer by PFF grading last year, 3,800 yards, only committed to turnover where they play on 2.5% of his dropbacks. It's really solid, and it's a lot of really good things to work with. But I would echo those sentiments that you're talking about. I mean, look at skill position players. We're talking about Kendrick Bourne, Jacoby Myers – Okay, cool. Maybe Tyquan Thornton works out, but we know he's banged up now at this point. Like What this offense is going to look like, not only with Josh McDaniels not calling the plays, but also with the lack of explosiveness at all of the skill positions, that would kind of be my worry. And when you look at the ability, because I always use the term like, like winning at the margins, right? Well, it's also when it comes to your offense or your defense, being able to maximize the personnel that you have, that's where play callers come in. And I'm not sure if Matt Patricia or Joe Judge or whoever is going to be calling the plays here will throw Belichick in there can do that with this team and then you then you kind of look at everything else and you realize well the bills are going to be pretty good whether or not i think they're overvalued they're still a very good team the dolphins are the better roster and could be very much improved this year i think it puts them a little bit behind the eight ball when you talk about all of that when you evaluate them and i would also add too for them defensively their cornerback room is an absolute mess. They brought in Malcolm Butler to play. He's done for the rest of the year. J.C. Jackson's gone. There's a lot of negative signs here, I think, for the New England Patriots coming into this season. And I'm fascinated to see what this offense is going to look like because there's some real positive signs for them last year, but there are a lot of signs pointing toward the bounce back for them uh, that we can even get to, into further. And I don't know if it's going to be a great season for New England after a 10-7 and seven year and a playoff loss.
2: The exact same uh, juice to the no on the no playoffs as well for both yep. Miami and New England, both at no minus 177, the yes at plus 144. Mitch, they are paired up schedule-wise with the AFC North and the NFC North. Uh, Europe, uh, any, uh, any uh, plus or minus to being paired up with those two divisions?
1: Um, Well, overall, when you just look at the schedules, um, specifically with New England, and t- by the way, to piggyback what JBT was saying, Pro Football Focus sent out their off-season unit rankings earlier this summer. The secondary was already rated twenty-six. That was before the Butler news. Defensive line twenty-third, and linebacker unit was nineteenth. I mean, that's all t- basically twentieth or below on all three units for the Patriots. Uh, yikes! I, you know, so when you when you get into those cross division games. I'll give you... Here's the, here's the New England rundown for their first... I mean, how, how ugly could this be to begin things? At Miami, at Pittsburgh, Baltimore, at Green Bay. That's their first four games. So, 0-4 probably won't happen, but it's, it's possible. And then, what like, what's the narrative then if they still don't have the offense figured out and it's still, you know, the guy with the pencil behind his ear, Patricia, are they're, they're laughing at it every single day, and, uh, you know, we're going to surprise you with this. Okay, re- really good stuff. Um, but... It's uh yeah I I think the as we're talking this out right now I'm I'm in my head getting to like Miami a little bit more and more.
2: Well, it's you know we we always wondered how these two would uh, be when they would separate each other. And I know it's been talked at nauseum, but still between Belichick and Brady, and Brady won a, a ring one year and at MVP uh, caliber numbers uh, the next year. All right, JVT JETS, let's see what they got now. Boy, they are trying to. Uh, Trying to uh get some, they did have a good draft you better uh with that those type of draft picks uh but some optimism after that good draft uh, uh Mekhi Beckton hurt right off the bat I mean uh here we go uh, with them first four game how about this auditina schedule Their first four games against NFC North teams uh well they'll get that out the way uh, real quick uh a three wide receivers two number ones and a number two uh, for Zach Wilson who he had a misstep in the preseason. He's probably going to miss a game or so. Five and a half juice to the over at minus 150 at BetRivers.
0: Rivers. This is – I am really intrigued by the New York Jets because to kind of build on what you're talking about here, Jimmy, like – I really like a lot of the talent that they have. Like if you look at this from an offensive standpoint, when you're talking about Connor McGovern, Elijah Tucker, George Fant, Lakin Tomlinson coming over in free agency, this is all along the offensive line. Dwayne Brown's a really good addition to bring in as a band-aid since you lose Mekhi Becton. The skill positions, when you're talking about joining Garrett Wilson in that wide receiver court, Braxton Berrios, Elijah Moore, Corey Davis. The running back, Brees Hall's the offensive rookie of the year favorite. The Jets have done so many things to make this a favorable situation for Zach Wilson. That's just the big question mark. Zach Wilson showed nothing, I think, in terms of positive traits. 13 games, he committed to turnover-worthy play on nearly 4% of his pass attempts. That's really high. He invited pressure, held onto the ball way too long. PFF has this great metric where it assigns blame by position in terms of quarterback pressures. 19.7% 19.7% of the pressures he faced last year were his fault because he held on to the ball too long. It's one of the highest in the league among quarterbacks that qualified. So, so like, it's all about whether or not Wilson, when he comes back healthy, if he's going to take this next step. Because you even look at them defensively, Robert Sala in the front office did a really good job in revamping this secondary. Cornerback, much stronger this year. Ahmad Gardner, DJ Reed are two additions. They go from a secondary with late second round rookies that played like, they were talking like fifth and sixth rounders that were starting games for them last year, to really two top end guys are going to be at the front safety positions relatively solid and their front seven while it's a work in progress has some really solid pass rushers in there if you tell me that zach wilson's going to come in and be an average quarterback i think this team could go over five and a half wins the problem is we've seen no indication that that's going to be the case so i just don't think that i'm willing to go and look at this team to go over that win total i i'm going to be pleasantly surprised if they do but it's all about whether or not wilson's going to come in and actually take that step forward that he did not show in 13 games last year
2: well, uh, Wilson did have the win against Tennessee, the AFC's yep. number one seed last year. And then Mike White had the uh, win against the AFC champion, Cincinnati Bengals, last year. Mitch Moss, do you see, Do you think Wilson could make some progress? It's not uncommon for rookie quarterbacks to struggle, but JVT brings up the numbers. They're pretty, uh, pretty eye—raise hey, your eye, bro.
1: Well, certainly. I mean, but that's— I think that's something that we need to see to believe, right? Because it was not there last year. He didn't really have those moments where you're like, oh, my God, I think that they absolutely got it right by taking him number two overall in the draft, and this guy's going to shine in this league. Um, But I'm also unwilling to give up on second-year quarterbacks or even third-year quarterbacks in the league. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you that he was a complete wasted pick and that he's going to be a total bust. Um, And they have set him up. I mean, how did you not like the offseason for the Jets? I think you had to. I thought the draft was really, really good like everybody else. So they're starting to get the pieces in place here. But so much of this sport comes down to that position. Like, you know, everybody always talks about in the NFL. And in fact, if you told me right now that he is going to take a a nice leap this year, I I would be looking at playing alternate win totals over with the Jets because I think they have the pieces in place there. But it's, I just – I don't know yet. I really I really have to kind of see it to believe it again, and he's got to go through and prove it on the football field before I'm willing to, uh, you know, wager my own money on it.
2: Uh, it. Mitch, let me ask you this, but it seems to me that with the potential of the Jets that both of you guys feel about – are you concerned with your, your Bills, Miami, Bills, New England uh, exactors that you fear the Jets may be passing up New England – maybe more than uh, Miami or New England catching Buffalo.
1: I'm still not afraid of, uh, overly afraid of them surpassing New England because you still have to, again, like Wilson's never proven it. Well, what has Bill Belichick done over the last 20 years? He's done nothing but prove it to us. Even last year, I mean, going on the road in a primetime game and throwing the football three times and beating everybody's number one power rated team in the entire league was damn impressive. So he comes up with these kooky game plans from time to time so um it wouldn't be it would phase me from betting those no
2: i i i just i'm um i i feel a little bit better about Miami than new England uh this year yeah. and um one of the reasons too is well they they don't like him as a as a starter because saints brought him in got rid of him carolina got rid of him. denver's got rid of him Teddy doesn't stay anywhere everybody everybody loves Teddy but everybody gets rid of Teddy but as a backup quarterback you've seen where he's we won four or five games in a row uh, with the Saints when Drew Brees went down. And so they give him that uh, if Tua should go down, we still worry about his injury a little bit. I think that's a nice safety valve. I would put Teddy in the top ten conservatively as far as backup quarterbacks. I think their roster is a lot better uh, than New England. So get to, JVT, you ready to pull the trigger on the under on Buffalo as we kind of uh, go back and, uh, and review our picks?
0: Yeah, so the two the two win totals I do have in this division, I did go under on Buffalo uh, at eleven okay. and a half, and I went under with New England at eight and a half. Uh, Those are the two that I bet here. And I I think for me, if we're ranking them in confidence, uh, New England would be at the top of that list. There's so many markers that tell you that this team's due for a negative regression, Uh, especially too. I mean, talked about the cornerback room. Mitch brought up the the position rankings. They were, I think they were fourth, if I remember correctly, in turnovers, uh, forced last year. That's not going to be the same for them this year. The eighth hardest schedule when you evaluate it by opponent win totals set by the sports books. So yeah, there's a lot of buy signs on the New England Patriots going underneath the total this year. So that would be, uh, if we're ranking them, my best win total coming out of this division, but I got it under eight and a half with them, and under eleven and a half with Buffalo.
2: Both with plus money. Uh, JVT uh, right now at Bed Rivers uh, under Buffalo eleven and a half plus one eighteen, and under New England my, uh, eight and a half plus one fifteen. JVT with all the public action, would you even would you advise to wait a little bit more on an under in Buffalo?
0: Yeah, it seems like, I'm not sure how much more that's going to get ramped up here in the next week as we approach uh, the regular season, so maybe that's just going to sit around, but we will put it this way, you're not going to miss out on a great price because that is the public team, right? You're not going to get a rush of money on the plus side to drive that down, so if you want to wait right before the season starts on that Thursday before they take on the Rams, yeah, you could sit back and wait. You're going to get a plus price like in that range uh, regardless of what you do.
2: Uh, Mitch, uh, what do you think? Uh, anything besides builds Miami, builds New England, uh, first, second order, uh, exact order of finish, plus two hundred, plus two thirty-five.
1: No, that's uh, that. Those would be my two favorite bets on there. But by the way, so I would also, if if JVT is right with his Bills uh, breakdown here, I would be looking to bet other teams to get the one seed in the AFC because the Bills, obviously, with their power rating, I mean, that's you're going to get no bargain betting on that team. But that's what people are anticipating because they. Look at the AFC West, and they see how loaded that is. Same thing with the AFC North. JVT, I know you're a Colts fan. Maybe look at uh, something like the Colts to be the number one seed overall, because uh, I think it's it's going to take 12, 13 wins to get the one seed. And if they say if the Bills stay under 11 and a half, that means to me that uh, another team is going to get the one seed overall in the AFC. And-
0: to your point, Mitch. I mean, and again, you know, records are never really an indication how good a team is, right? Look at the Titans last year, for example. Uh, but to your Colts point, they have the third easiest schedule in the NFL, right? It's the Giants, the Eagles, and then the Indianapolis Colts. They seem like they're much improved. I think defensively, they're a lot better. And so, kind of where you're talking about shopping for value in the number one seed. That could be a team that actually surprises some people with their record, but ultimately falls short in the playoffs just because the schedule sets up so well for them. So I would agree with that sentiment of looking elsewhere uh, to buy on an AFC team to win the first overall seed. I think there's a lot of good teams there, but they're all going to kind of beat up on each other, except for Indy, which has got a pretty easy schedule and can make their way up to potentially like 11 wins and grab a number one seed in that loaded conference.
2: Uh, guys, I like, a, I like a straight, but I'm just going to keep with, with Bills in Miami. If I'm at Del Mar, I'm never betting the chalk with a co-second choice, okay, in a straight exact, Not going to happen. But this one, I do see a little separation in Miami and New England, and I just think that the guy, rightfully so, Bill Belichick, is keeping this, this line where it is. I mean, this roster is not good. And Mac Jones, that's one thing. To, as far as putting with some pieces around him, yes, if he was swapped, both of you made the point. You put him with Miami to a supporting cast. Game on, but yeah, and he could get the ball out and he could do. But to carry a team on his shoulder, I'm not so sure with all the defense deficiencies. Where they played the Bills twice late last season, they never punted. I mean, so. Uh, I I do see a little bit uh, of separation between Miami, and I'm worried. You guys tell me, my biggest concern about Miami being a clear number two is their new coach, and Flores had these guys playing hard. That locker room was together. How, How big of a concern should that be, JVT?
0: I think it probably is, and especially if you guys remember um, reports coming in. I think it was like January, February when it was known that Mike McDaniel is going to retain the defensive staff. There were players who were quoted as saying, "Yeah, we don't like that. Like they don't like the guys who are running the defense that are carrying over from Flores' staff." Mm-hmm. And you now th- those noise, that noise has kind of started to calm down a little bit. I got to talk to somebody out in Miami who is uh, kind of. Play- trumpeting that hey everybody's buying in now at this point but of course that's a Miami person talking so you know it's always going to be relatively positive but I think to your overall point I do wonder if there is some carryover where if you start to scuffle a little bit and you do have Mike McDaniel who comes from that new line of thinking right more analytically driven a little bit of an egghead kind of deal right if you start to kind of lose those sort of things. But I think that's the more worrisome part for me. When you have players who were anonymously quoted as saying they did not like the retention of the defensive coordinator from Flores' staff, I I think that does start to plant some seeds of doubt of what that's going to look
2: like as this year drags on and if there's going to be some struggles. Or, Mitch, is this uh, adding this new coach or swapping him out for Flores, more of a quarterback offensive specialist play call, and can he be a positive effect on Tua?
1: Well, he could be, for sure. And I, again, I like that idea of him bringing over that uh, philosophy they had with the 49ers. But also, like, it's not like the Dolphins um, had a terrible coach. Flores was really, really good. I thought he should have been. He, was, he probably had a great case to win coach of the year. What was it, two years ago, I think, when Stefanski beat him out, even though Stefanski had a good case as well. Um, so it's not like they were you know, 1-15 and, and then 2-15 and 15 after they went to a 17-game schedule and they were god-awful and they're like, hey, we need to get somebody in here now. Like he, So there's going to be some pressure here because uh, it was, you know, after a slow – by the way, that's a good sign of a coach too. When you get off to such a bad start and the team does not give up and you go on this massive winning streak to get back into a playoff mix, uh, you always – you have to love to see something like that. Um, so I think McDaniel there is definitely going to be facing that a little bit this year.
2: All right, uh, AFC East. Again, uh, all of us like Buffalo, but very cautious. But JVT is uh, bold enough to go with the under 11.5 plus 118. Under New England, 8.5 plus 115. Mitch has got uh, direct order of finish, 1 2, Bills Miami plus 200. Direct order of finish, Bills New England plus 235. I'm going with just the Buffalo Miami finish at plus 200. AFC East a divisional preview. That's it for us. Mitch Boss, Jonathan Von Tobel. I'm Jimmy Yatt here in the Sports Better's Paradise, part of the Bet Rivers Network YouTube channel.